Hey everyone, before we get started, just want to take a moment to recognize two very incredible people that we lost over the last two weeks. First, Charleston Patrolwoman Cassie Johnson, who was shot and killed in the line of duty. She was only 28 years old, certainly gone far too soon. We're keeping her and her family in our thoughts. And we are also thinking about the West Virginia legend Chuck Yeager and his family. The Lincoln County native was the first person to break the sound barrier and was also a decorated war veteran. The aviation legend was 97 years old. So we are certainly thinking about both of them and both of their families. Now let's get to the episode. It's a debate we can and might have until the end of time. We know medical marijuana provides medicinal benefits, but to what extent? But there's absolutely no question that medical marijuana, you know, medicinal cannabis, CBD, these things are growing in popularity in the general public's mind. And at the national level, the House just passed a bill to decriminalize cannabis. And here in West Virginia, we're inching closer and closer to our first medicinal marijuana store opening. And our guest today is right in the middle of it all. So Johnny McFadden, who is the community outreach coordinator for the Mountaineer Integrated Care, is a group that is currently going through all the necessary steps to open medicinal marijuana storefronts in the Mountain State. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation, no doubt. And so with that, welcome to another edition of the Mountaineer Media Podcast, sponsored by Mr. B. Mace, hit the music. The sun does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. All right, Johnny, welcome to the podcast. And guys, listening into the podcast, we've got a guest today, Johnny McFadden, who is the Community Outreach Coordinator for Mountaineer Integrated Care. Um, so we'll get into his work with that. But Johnny, what's going on, man? Good morning. I'm doing great. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm so happy to be here because I'm such a huge fan since you guys launched in June. Um, I knew it was going to be a big hit and I'm just so excited to be here. He's a he's a West Virginian by heart. You can see the uh, West Virginia flag behind you. So uh, yeah, we know. We, anytime you got that in the background, we think it's going to be a good episode. We know it's going to be a good episode. So, in yeah. fact, I got the state motto tattooed on my right arm. Of course, this is a podcast; no one can see this, but that's a fun <laughs> fact for people listening. But Johnny, so look, man, you're talk to us. You where'd you grow up at, man? You're a West Virginian um, through and through. But where did you grow up at, and what was uh, what was your childhood like in West Virginia? Yeah, I mean. Uh, Mercer County, uh, Princeton, West Virginia. Usually I say Southern West Virginia to people who are from West Virginia, but now I can say Mercer County and you know what I'm talking about. Mercer County um, is Southern West Virginia though. Let's say. <laughs> it, it, it certainly is. Um, um, but, uh, you know, there's nothing, nothing crazy about my, my childhood necessarily. Uh, not too rich, not too poor. Um, but just a normal Southern West Virginia kid who, who deals with, um, you know, all the benefits of living in the state and deals with all the challenges. Um, um, but yeah. 
And so you grow up, did you know exactly, you know, what was in your future? Did you go to college with like a mission? Like what was, what was the game plan? Cause I know a lot of, we were talking, you know, before we got on, like this state, uh, you know, the young professional crowd, you wouldn't say is bustling and, and thriving. We're, we're always trying to get people to come to the state, but when you were going through and coming up, what were your, you know, kind of like dreams and ambitions? Well, you know, I, I went into college undecided, like a lot of kids do. Um, but, I, you know, I knew that I liked how people think. And mm. I knew that I liked kind of building things and, and, and kind of starting from scratch on on a project with, with, with people I enjoy being around. Um, but that's, that's all I knew. Um, so went in, switched to psychology. And I'm like, all right, got to go to grad school now gotta, you know, probably, um, you know, I was going to go to a program in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, it was a behavioral economics program. Um, but uh, the, the story really starts in 2017 when um, they, the West Virginia legislature passes the um, Medical Cannabis Act. And... Um, You know, the governor signs it a couple months later, and I look to my my good buddy Andrew Wilson, who who I still work with to this day, and um, we became aware of of just people around us and and people that not necessarily in our circle, but people that um, especially kids that have epileptic seizures or um, Crohn's disease or cancer or just really nasty stuff, and they were using medical cannabis to help deal with all the pain and complications that are dealing with this. Um, I mean, epileptic seizures, the difference, as soon as you apply it, use it, a lot of times it's, it's a lotion that they use it for. It's, it's immediate. And so once I became aware of that, I just thought it was just unconscionable that mothers that I knew were having to become criminals to get their kids relief. And I don't know if you have, have ever tried to get in the way of a mom trying to help their kid. It's a bad idea. I wouldn't recommend it. And uh, um, lawmakers all over the country found that out that, that then they get the law passed. Um, but I basically said it to my friend, Andrew, a couple months later, the law gets passed. That, that was the timeline of it. So, of course, we took credit for that. Um, we decided we wanted to do something. We didn't do anything, but we just decided the law passed. And um, I was in the rat, rat and pigeon lab because um, I was a psychology major. And I think to myself when the governor signs it, it was that, that day in the lab, I said, maybe I don't have to go to Kansas. I don't really want to go to Kansas anyways. Um, wow. Maybe I can stay in the state and – um, you know, maybe possibly try to make it better in my, in some small way. Um, and so, you know, I started telling people that, you know, tell my mom, Hey, I kind of think I can maybe go after, you know, create a medical cannabis business in West Virginia and, and, you know, get a lot of laughs and get a lot of, okay. And, you know, from friends and family. Um, but here we are, uh, not to, uh, you know, spoiler alert, but, um, you know, our company Mountaineer Integrated Care ends up winning, um, grow and processor licenses, um, 
there was a lot that had to happen along the way and we can get into that too and and kind of what shaped the program to where it is but um that was my personal journey from kind of having that as an idea to now sitting to talk to you guys um with the company with um you know being a, a co-founder one of many co-founders on an amazing team with uh for this for a company that has grow in medical cannabis uh grow in processing uh permits in west virginia so it's it's just been a, a really fun journey. Timing is everything, isn't it? It life, is. It, life has a funny way. True. Yeah. Of working. Um, yeah. In, in Mountaineer Integrated Care, aiming to participate in the medical cannabis market, and, and to be very clear, nobody is selling any medical cannabis at the moment in West Virginia, right? Not as there, of yet. No. Exactly. So there are a lot of applications out there. A lot of companies trying to grow and test products. Is that kind of where the process is for everybody right now, including you guys, testing some things, getting some research, and and ultimately uh, hoping you guys get picked as one of those initial markets that you can start selling the medical cannabis? Well, so the way this works in medical cannabis states, especially in the East Coast, there's this permit application process. And we did it at ours in the apps dropped in December. And they basically say, here's here's what we need. And it's hundreds and hundreds of pages of basically how you're going to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, during that time period, everybody on our team, it's all hands on deck. And even we have like 10, like super experienced, you know, collectively decades of, of cannabis experience. And we're still, you know, a group of 10 people working day and night to get this application in. That's due February. And about, um, October, November is how long it took them to, to grade it. That's kind of been the, the, the you know, wow. process of this program. It's been kind of slow. As long as we're here, I'm good, but so I won't complain too much. Um, and so, so yeah, so about October, they give out the 10 grow apps. There's only 10 licenses. They give out 10 processing applications. And Jason Frame, the director of the Office of Medical Cannabis um, under the DHHR, said that dispensaries will be out by the end of the year. Now there is vertical integration allowed, which means that you can have a grow processor and dispensary. And um, we, like I said, we have a grow and a processor. There's only um, there's only 12 companies because there was only, um, there's eight companies that have both a grow and a processor and two that just have a grow and two that just have a processor. And uh, that's, that's an issue people are, some people are concerned about that, you know, there's, there's two little companies, but I mean, there's, there's only 10 grow applications that was set forth by the state. Um, so they, they, they have to pick the best ones or they'll, they'll get sued. <laughs> like everything else in West Virginia, this seems to be as uh, slow of a process as you can imagine, a snail's race. <laughs> yeah, um, like I said, I'm just happy that it's here. Um, but but it, it has been such a struggle. I mean, since 2017, um, I think the next legislative session, um, Treasurer Purdue uh, wrote a letter to the governor warning that there was there was some banking problem that they needed to solve. I use quotation marks there. You can, obviously, podcasts can't see that, but just because uh, I know a lady, Linda, uh, Linda Bodie of Element Federal Credit Union, and she has been to, um, I'll get into some of the events we did later, but she's been to every one of our events. She's been to when you could do that. She's has been so proactive. She's basically single-handedly solved the uh, you know state's cannabis banking issue. 
Wow. Um, so shout out to her yeah. um, and shout out to, to people. And that's just the spirit I love of just being bold, being, you know, acting with conviction saying, no, we're doing this. Right, um, you know, we'll take your money. We'll take your money. Um, you know, we'll take the money of an underserved industry and, and, and bank with you guys. Um, and that's just kind of my whole thing is to face the, the problems we have. I mean, we've got to, we've got to be bold and we've got to act with conviction. Cause that was a lot of the early problems, like in not, you know, every state is different clearly. And it's, we're actually speaking about this at an interesting time. I think, you know, through the house, there was some sort of decriminalization bill that was passed, um, you know, recently. So, you know, keeping an eye on the national and federal landscape will probably obviously influence the state and what they do, but a big problem out West, uh, you know, Colorado is everyone just thinks of is, I guess they were to my knowledge, one of the first to pioneer embracing it. Um, from a legal legalization standpoint, but it was the banking. Like you could basically, yeah, we'll let you set up, set up shop, but like no bank is going to FDIC insure, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the account. It's just, it was in a weird limbo state. So like what you're seeing in West Virginia, is it slowly are, are those different factions of the, what would need to make the whole system work? Are they coming together? And is it a lot of it, you guys just have to do yourself or it, you know, it's not going to be done, I guess, for you by the state in some sort of coordinated effort? Yeah. So, you know, the banking issue, yeah, that's basically, if they'll take your money, you can bank with them. That's, that's basically how it is. You know, all, every permit holder is, you know, if they're, if they're selling cannabis, they're, they're really technically, you know, breaking federal rule. It's just the, the rule that's never been enforced from, from a business level. Um, and, you know, I ne- I don't even argue you know, for, for recreational, just because, um, my focus first and foremost is, is patients of West Virginia that are suffering. Um, of course that's a, that's a, that's a great debate, but I don't, I don't need to argue it, especially in West Virginia. Once you tell people, once you tell West Virginians, this is medical 15 qualifying conditions only, um, you know, it's, it's cancer, terminal illness, you know, AIDS, Crohn's disease, um, epileptic seizures, obviously 15 more. The only one that's any kind of leeway is all is, is chronic pain and, and the, the definition for it that would qualify you is like a paragraph long. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it has to be intractable. Um, it's meaning that just standard normal stuff is just not doing it. Right. And you can't tell doctors not to describe, not to prescribe opioids or other strong drugs when there's no alternative available because that's, that's just cruel. Um, so when there, when there's no alternative, you can't tell doctors not to prescribe whatever, whatever they can to help their patients. Um, but this is what I've told West Virginians. This is not a substitute or, th- or this is, um, this is not something to add on. This is not, this is not a gateway. This is an alternative to opioids and other strong drugs. And that was always, that's what I was, what I was told as growing up, you know, what are, what are our greatest problems? We have an opioid epidemic. And we need jobs. Um, you know, back in 2017 at the in the rat and pigeon lab, um, I thought to myself, could this really help with with really all of our or most of our you know most pressing issues? I thought maybe, or at least the, it's the best that I could do to to maybe um, help to address those. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Because like, look, it's not like, and I'm sure, and we'll get into because you said you go out and speak with the community. It's not like it's. Um, 
you know, the, the recreational debate is almost a separate category. Like, let's, let's be clear, like people are suffering, like this is medicine. And of course, this is my personal opinion. I'm not a doctor. I'll throw that hedge in there. Like, but like, I don't see how a rational person doesn't say, you know what, like we, you know, we shouldn't look at some sort of medicine that could alleviate the pain of, of someone like that, that, that concept is absurd. So I'm glad it's like, and I appreciate your distinction of like, look, we're focused on improving health outcomes and, you know, the well-being of West Virginians. It's not like we're advocating like everyone must just, you know, use marijuana because, and that's what, the, and, but that's what your detractors are going to paint you as, right? So is that, or at least not even your detractors or people against it. It's just a common misconception that you're constantly kind of having to educate the marketplace on um, and, and help them understand. Um, yeah, education is everything. Um, as you mentioned, back when, um, back in January, February, when we were, we were putting this application, um, you know, the state is looking for people who um, go to their community and say, um, you're just, just work with the community um, and, and, and get their permission. It wouldn't hurt to get their permission and, and just work with them and get their input. Um, so I went kind of all over the state, did like a, a little tour, talking to um, you know mostly county commissions and and city councils and you know you know public meetings and and meeting with just explaining to community leaders in general. You know was was Mercer County, um, City of Bluefield, um, Fayette County, uh, Mineral County, um, just a lot of Raleigh County, just a lot of um, of, of counties, and and getting up in a you know room full of um, you know mostly. 50 and 60 year olds and, and, and telling them that we're thinking about bringing cannabis to their town. And here's why you should, here's why you should be excited about it. Um, Got to be a little nerve That's a tough sell. Them, it, you'd think it was, but there was really only one, one person that we came across that was after we explained it to them that they were still against us. One yeah. part, it was in my home County. Um, if you live in Mercer County, you know who this person is. Um, I went to a, a public county commission meeting and, um, and this story always just, just sticks in my crawl, but, um, I was actually not scheduled to speak. I was just going because I saw, um, another cannabis uh, business looking to speak. I go in there and I didn't even know it was, uh, my dad's oncologist who, who was starting, um, one of these businesses and he's a really, really smart guy. So I thought, Oh, this is great. He's going to go up and speak and, and really explain um, to these County commissioners. One that I, I know is, is, is very anti um, anti cannabis. So um, in that particular meeting, about 95% of it was taken up by uh, some kind of a gun resolution, which I was, I was in support of, but um, I, I wanted to talk about the cannabis, but we didn't get a lot, whole lot of time to talk about it. When he did get up just the, um, so he started to speak. Yes, we're um, you know, looking to bring you know dispensaries here, here, and here, um, and just the the derision that um, the the commissioners were were treating this oncologist with, trying to lecture him about what has medical benefit and what doesn't, and how to treat people who are really suffering. Um, that really just the the, the hypocrisy there. This particular guy was, um, I don't know if this is a thing where you live, but we'd have um, an excuse to get out of school called drug-free all-star basketball games. And uh, this guy, he, he's basically, he's like the shooting guard for the drug-free all-stars. And that's basically his only qualification to lecture my dad's oncologist. 
um, who basically he wouldn't let him speak. He would just, he would just um, kind of railroaded him, but you know, it's a little bit of sour grapes because we couldn't end up putting a business in our hometown. We were too afraid um, the that from the it would be the one County to, to not approve it, which that is still the case. Um, they're thinking about changing it, but it might be too late. It would have been too late for, for a grow. Um, so that, that drove me, drove us away from, from my hometown, but um, we, we moved to uh, Fort Ashby is, yep. is our main facility um, close to Kaiser. Um, I, even West Virginians have to say close to Kaiser because it's, it's very rural, you know, it's an industrial park up there. Um, but, but that's where we wanted to put these somewhere really rural where um, we can bring some jobs and, and economic development. Hey guys, Cooper here for a quick interruption. Look, did you see that project that we launched called Do Something Good West Virginia? Were you a little bit confused at the fact that we're planting trees? You look, yes, we are planting trees and we are going to go around the state showing you beautiful parts of it. But really, the initiative is about you doing something good in your community. So show us what you're doing by hashtagging Do Something Good West Virginia, Dub V, and uh, let us know. And we would love to see what you can do for your community, organize an event, pick up trash, volunteer, do a nonprofit, something that helps West Virginia in a positive way. And as always, if you can, give us a review or a subscription or even a rating on Apple podcast because that helps more West Virginians hear us and hear these awesome conversations with people like Johnny on today's episode. So that's all I got for you. Let's get right back to the episode. Well, you went from uh, Southern West Virginia to the panhandle. That's quite the change yeah, up there. Far so, away as possible. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I love that the a point that you have previously brought up about uh, this, the opioid epidemic and almost an alternative to that, you know, you grew up in Southern West Virginia. You've probably seen the the effects firsthand of how deadly this opioid epidemic is. And, and the reality is we're so deep into this issue. I'll take any lifeline to get out. I mean, if there is yeah. any opportunity to try and improve and, you know, drastically change these numbers in, in a positive direction, um, you know, getting people off these opioids, why is it, why are we still debating? And, you know, I, I know marijuana has, there's two sides to every coin, don't get me wrong, but it, at the end of the day, look, rehab centers and awareness can only do so much because you have to get people committed to stay in these centers. You have to get people committed to actually pay attention to the awareness you're trying to make. If you can actually come, come up with a, a true alternative, I, I don't know why it's such an issue. So I do appreciate, you know, from that standpoint, the medical cannabis community probably is gung-ho about trying to get this into the, into the market and into uh, legislation. Yeah, I mean, the people throw around, throw around the word need pretty loosely. You know, I need, I need a snack, even though you don't really need it. We need to use every option we can as a state to, um, to solve these problems. We can't let stigma get in the way of solving our problems because, you know, we're running out of time. Like I said, this is a need. Um, I don't know what, what happens if, if we fail to solve our problems but it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad, but oh, ugly. I, you know, I'm an optimist. I think we, if we just were bold and if we just, um, you know, act and, and not wait. And that's something that, that you guys are, are doing now with do something good. Dub I mean, it's exactly what's needed. And I don't say need lightly. Yeah, no, it's, it's important, man. And look, I mean, I'm not gonna, 
you know, I don't know if a uh, big uh, pharma is, listens to our podcast, but you know, I would, and I don't have this intel, but I would suspect that you know institutional forces that oppose you know medical marijuana legalization are people that are in the business of prescribing the other side of it, which could be you know painkillers. Um, you know, there's been a lot of high-profile cases with uh, what is it, Purdue Pharma, or one of the ones recently where they you know basically admitted. Um, their, their role in the oxycotton push that came through west virginia and cj you said it right like we're in a, we're in a crisis like let's not like let's not all get confused here like the drug epidemic and with prescription abuse through pain and that you cannot sit there and blame the addicts always that oh it's their fault they got addicted to it well why were there millions of pay, you know pill pain clinics that popped up in west virginia that people were driving from north carolina to our state in west virginia and getting prescribed medication like how is that like okay what about that makes sense it doesn't so like i think when you level I always like will rib back people like, wait a second, like this is a huge issue that's ongoing. My sister's an ER physician. She sees it every single day um, in our state. Like if we don't address this head on and call it what it is, then like you said, Johnny, I don't know what that looks like. And if we let this keep plaguing our state. Um, well, so I, 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 th- I do know what it looks like. Actually, it's, it's, you know, more people's despair. lives in, in my circle. I mean, I'm sure you guys, know people who have either been affected in some way or have died. I mean, uh, people in, in my graduating class, I mean, you, you start already hard, you know, starting to hear stuff and it's, you know, it just tears me up. But I think the key to, to this and a lot of issues is education. Um, that's, that's what I try to do. Um, that's to, to go back a little bit, to rewind a little bit. Sure. Um, in 2017, I started working uh, with a nonprofit called the Medical Cannabis Society um, and they were all about, um, you know, educating, um, advocating, and just kind of to lead to create um, a medical cannabis industry that that serves the patients um, of Pennsylvania. At the time, it was the Pennsylvania Medical Cannabis Society. We annoyed those guys enough to bring us on and let us expand to the West Virginia Medical Cannabis Society. Uh, me and my buddy, um, Andrew, that I mentioned, um, we won the, uh, the launch lab, um, a social entrepreneurship uh, pitch competition with, with West Virginia Medical Cannabis Society. And uh, we put on a couple events in Morgantown um, of, of different kinds, um, you know, trying to bring doctors, um, people who want to, um, to be in the business, uh, patients, um, you, know, uh, law, you know, lawmakers and government, bring them all to the table tell them, bring them up to speed on the industry at large, tell them how they can get involved, tell them how they can make a difference and just basically get all these people in one room. I wish we could still do that. Um, you know, it might be a, a Zoom conference, our next one, but um, that's kind of where, um, where I kind of learned about the industry and, and met great, great people. Now it was, you know, hundreds of hours of, of free work, but all that led to me talking to you guys um, with, with a company with a permit. Um, and so it was all worth it. So, so I tell people I'm 25. I tell people my age. Yeah. You know, you know, if you, if you want to do something that's kind of outside the box, yeah, you might have to put a hundred, you know, a couple hundred hours of free work, you know, 500, you know, free hours, a thousand free hours, who knows? Sometimes it, right. they uh, gets, you know, you lose track, but if, you know, it can be worth it if you, if you, if you bet on yourself and I think more West Virginians should do that. No, it's an amazing point, man. And, you know, look, I'm 26. CJ, how old are you? Are you 26? I'm only like three weeks younger than you, dude. 
So I'm like your senior, but but look, like let's because that's a good transition, John. Like what, into young professionalism in the Mountain State is like, yeah, uh, young professional, like the people that are like, oh, Johnny's 25, what's he know? Or like you, you that hold age, like this, yeah, like well, no, 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 like I'm in uh, in your defense, like people, you know, I'm a financial advisor, like oh, he's 26, you know what? Well, if we want to develop a forward thinking economy-based young professionals attraction to this state like how you cannot we cannot have our decision making solely in the hands of men and women that are in their 60s and 70s and even 80s right i mean there's just clearly we have to embrace young and not not that they're young youthful ideas this isn't like a youth uprising what i'm saying is that i think for us and and that's what this podcast you know i think our listeners are mostly young but there's a range of people that listen to it um i'll always push back and and advocate for people that are trying new things and and trying to bring about conversation and change um because if we didn't have that the alternative is just stale status quo and that's not working for west virginia in a lot of capacities um if you you looked at some of the important things that we rank on you know admittedly we you know were last right um so i always like to embrace that and i'm sure you face it as a young professional and career um, you know, out doing your work. Um, but you know your stuff and, uh, you know, it's an important topic and you can see the conviction in when you speak about it. Well, yeah, I believe it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not that young people need to replace anybody. It's just that they need to take up the responsibility, um, and, and lead along with, um, you know, people, people older than us, um, because they're, wise and they're and they're you know intelligent and and great leaders in their own way but it's it's the same thing with diversity in any thought if if you have just different kinds of people at the table you're going to end up with with a better product um and i was always told that growing up as well along with the opioid epidemic it was um we need more young people to stay in the state we need people with an entrepreneurial spirit we need um you know, we need, we need more jobs. We need better jobs. Um, and so I'll look at this opportunity in 2017 and say, um, this is an industry starting completely from scratch. So, you know, we're either starting, we're either creating jobs from thin air, which when, when does that ever happen? Usually take them from somewhere or, or take capital from somewhere, but we're taking them from the black market. We're taxing them, um, for the, for the cannabis industry in West Virginia, it's, it's 10% on top of, on top of everything else, you know, and that goes to um, substance abuse funds and, and police forces and, and police grants and, and community grants of all kinds. Um, but yeah, we just, uh, just West Virginians, I mean, the, the older generation, the people in charge, the people, you know, in Charleston or wherever they are, they just need to allow these opportunities to happen um, and allow the younger generation to, to sit at the table. Um, and young people need to, to want to do that, which of course, you know, not everybody does, but I think there's a strand of, of West Virginians that, um, that feel that way. And I, I think you guys are come along at, you know, just such a weird time in history, of course. I mean, starting in the summer of 2020, what, what a crazy time to, to start a podcast where you're going to, you know, give your opinions and, and stuff like that. But I think you came along at the perfect time where we're just, we're just, you know, as, as a state community and as a national community, we're looking at each other and like, where do we go forward? But so we need people who, 
um, are like you guys and just kind of have this, you know, get stuff done mentality um, to lead us in the right direction. And I think if people see that, I think that they'll, they'll want to follow. All right, good. Time to hammer the hard questions now, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. uh, getting past, seriously, though, getting past some of maybe the surface level issues, like it's a gateway drug. I mean, there are some problems that, that do stem from even just medical cannabis. I mean, talking about quality across the board, uh, you know, if you have several different outputs, you want to make sure that they're all similar and the same, or at least up to a certain standard. Um, how do you feel about some of those issues? Uh, something like that. If, how do you know that uh, the, the grow up down the road is doing the same thing that you guys are producing and, and the one in the other half of the state is, is doing the same. And, and that's who's, you know, that's the people ultimately are getting this, the, the, uh, the drug or cannabis, excuse me. But uh, you know, I, I, what do you think about some of those, those larger scale issues? Uh, not so much just the gateway drug, it, you know, the mark. <laughs> Well, you know, I've heard pretty much everything, um, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, speaking to, you know, public speaking in public county commission meetings, they'll, they'll throw everything that they have at you. Um, and so I've heard gateway drug. And, and like I said, if it were recreational, you could have that discussion. Um, but what is, what is cannabis a gateway to opioids? Um, this program is only an alternative for opioids. So what is, so, okay, let's, let's skip the gateway and just go straight to the hard drugs. In in that situation, you know, gateway is, it's the alternative to, to opioids. Um, In terms of having a quality product, that's why it was such an intensive process. And there's a lot of multi-state operators come in and I work with people who worked in other states that are super experienced in a lot of the, um, you know, West Virginia, you know, kind of, um, you know, more shoestring, just not shoestring, but um, less experienced. I mean, if you, if you lived in West Virginia your entire life, you couldn't possibly have any cannabis experience. Maybe you do actually, but not that you could put on this application. Um, and so, and that's, that's why this, this is going to be really safe because the requirements, I don't know, I, I won't go into all the requirements, the capital requirements, the, the fees, the um but these are very um regimented i mean 100 page you know hundreds and hundreds of pages of this application telling you telling the state exactly how you're going to make this product you're going to process it you know you're going to dispense it um and every step along the way how you're going to make sure that you know every second that the plant you know is seed to sale that's what it's called they brought in a seed to sell software so you know every gram is tracked from the ground to going to a, a patient at the end of the day. Um, you know, your, your pesticides have to be, you know, approved and monitored every, every single one of them. Your, um, you know, your grow process is, is approved by the state. Um, and I'm not even, I don't have a green thumb. I don't really know really anything about growing. I just enjoyed, um, you know, the business side of things and, and the, um, you know, community outreach side of things. So, you know, we bring in, you know, expert growers from, from wherever we can, hopefully we can um, hire from West Virginia. That's my own prerogative. Um, But believe me, I've, I've, you know, heard pretty much every question under the sun. Um, One, one county commissioner, he looked at me and said, um, it was about an hour in and I thought, Hey, we're making progress here. He's, he's, you know, he's coming around. He said, well, do you inject it? I said, uh, 
No, you don't inject it. No. You snort it, uh, son? <laughs> like, no, you don't, no, you don't. No, Mr. Commissioner, you don't do that either. Uh, <laughs> so I've heard, I've heard the, you know, the, the wildest questions you can imagine. Uh, but Johnny, is it a lot large degree? Is it going to have to be self re- like self regulated in a sense that like the FDA obviously I, I don't know like is not involved yet or like it doesn't go? Is there a state version of the There's FDA? There's a lab. Yeah, they're, they're, okay. they're, the state's giving out a, um, um, a a laboratory permit, and every you know every gram goes through that lab and is tested um, for you know you know for for anything harmful and to make sure um you know the cannabinoid profile is correct on there and you know once you start treating it like medicine and 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 people look at the cannabinoid profile and um you know say okay this is this is helping me and in certain situations this this compound can help me more with my specific condition um that's when it really becomes medicine and and it really starts to help people so walk us through this one more time, at least. What is the soonest that we might see a medical cannabis dispensary in the state of West Virginia? So product on shelves, um, the Office of Medical Cannabis Director Jason Frame says that um, the, their, their goal for product on shelves is uh, Q2 2021. Gotcha. Now. They've made projections before. Bold, uh, I'm sure you know. Bold statement uh, there. That have that have not quite. Um, they, they haven't quite met some ex- some some deadlines, but that's that's a roundabout uh, when it could be. Um, you know, I'm telling. The good thing about West Virginia is, if you call somebody's office or, or, or you know a, a governmental office, you probably get the guy in charge or the lady in charge. So, you know, sometimes I call the office that the main line and, and talk to Jason frame and just say, Hey, you know, what do you think? Is it, you know, still, still Q2? <laughs> he says, yeah. I'm like, okay, hang up. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I told, I've been saying they should do a, a pre-registration process. I I'm, I'm kind of, a like a, a legal, not a legal nerd, but like a government, you know, um, you know, lawmaking nerd. So I went through all the, the regulations and, and I believe it's legal for the Office of Medical Cannabis to, um, to create a, a, a fee-less pre-registration process. So they're not, um, they're not paying a fee and not being able to use it for six months. Um, I, think, I think they should do a pre-registration process. Um, I think they should, they should do more to, to get these um, uh, doctors registered because it takes, it's a four hour course. It's like 200 bucks. Um, you know, yeah, some, some doctors it. have done it already. Yeah, that's, great, that's a great, great point. I mean, yeah, who, like, who, who, who can, and how do you pick who? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, well, any doctor can do that. And then, and then for a patient, it's a couple hundred bucks for, for a license. Um, obviously I mentioned the, um, you know, the, the tax is going to make things expensive. No insurance will, will cover this whatsoever. It's basically, they don't have to, <laughs> so they're not going to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I hope, I hope that with, if, if you can write a prescription, I hope we ultimately don't fall into a similar trap that we are with opioids. I'm not connecting these two. It's apples to oranges, certainly. But I, I hope that you don't see these a, a large amount of cases where doctors have over, you know, abused that. Um, so you, you said it's a four hour course. What are some of the other things that doctors, you know, and prescribers have to go through to, to know what the difference is between somebody that deserves a medical cannabis card and somebody that doesn't? Well, that's all they have to. And then they basically, it's not, it's technically a recommendation because 
you know, federal law, it would be weird if you, you can't technically prescribe it, but they'll basically just, it's, and it's just, it's just basically designating that you do have one of the 15 qualifying conditions. It's not, it's really not anything more than that. And then you recommend that they should be able to receive a medical cannabis card. Again, that's a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, and yep. then, but other than that, that's, 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 that's kind of how the process works for doctors. The only question for you is where um, do you, and especially with COVID, do we envision like legit storefronts? Like you like product on shelf is both a, a saying, but also a, you know, legit thing or given COVID and the digital, like, are you, is someone going to be able to like order it and have it delivered? And let's how get does, Jason like, frame in here. Let's, let's add him to the could. zoom. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's see what he's up to today. Maybe you should talk cool. to him next. But. Yeah. <laughs> What's cool. Okay. Uh, no, but. I mean, bureaucrats generally don't like to say more than they need to. So he might not be that <laughs> interesting of, that a, the truth? of a guest. But, um, but the, uh, the question stands. It, it is a, a good question. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I'm sorry. No worries. No worries. Just like if it's going to be, do you, do you foresee a time when it's like digital, like you can order, like if you were an approved yeah, uh, person. Yeah, had it, yeah I'm sorry. It. It, it is. It is now in other states. They're making it working just fine. It's, it's pickup. You know, I think there's there's some delivery. Uh, I'm thinking about Pennsylvania. I'm pretty sure they have um, a delivery and they certainly do have pickup. And, you know, they're just chugging along like any, you know, it still has to be a brick and mortar store where uh, a dispensary. There's no e-commerce dispensaries yet. But, um, it, you know, people are making it work. Um, you know, Q2 of 2020, end of Q2, you know, we'll see where we are um, when, when product, you know, is eventually on shelves. That's obviously, you know, pretty much the earliest that could possibly be. Um, so we'll see where we are. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to make any projections, you know, cause Lord knows I don't know anything more than anybody else about that. Yeah. yeah. Marijuana. I've, I've found that I think everybody kind of knows this too. Marijuana, like most issues ultimately becomes a political issue and, you know, medical cannabis by far should not be a political issue, but you do see blue States, are, are marijuana friendly and red states oftentimes are not so marijuana friendly. Do you find that in a state that is heavily red, maybe you've seen a little more uh, pushback from uh, community leaders and, and the state government on getting this through. And maybe that's one of the reasons West Virginia is behind, or is this so far beyond any political issue? It really is about, we want to help people. Let's get this thing moving and rolling and get this thing out on the shelves. Well, yeah, we are so politically, um, derisive in this country having said that uh cannabis is is maybe one of the only bipartisan you know issues today. definitely get I mean, montana passed recreational um cannabis um along with along with every other state you know arizona is what its color is is debatable at this point but uh, arizona passed passed recreational uh, so was georgia i don't i don't quite get any of it now <laughs> well, Georgia, Georgia passed, they're doing their medical applications right now. And, and anytime one of those comes out, I, I have to look at it, even though it's kind of, you know, a squirrel with the nut. It's, 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 um, I really should focus on what, what's in front of me, but I always yeah. have an eye out for other states. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I mean, it's even recreational is adult use is, 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 you know, popular now and, and medical is, it's really not not really even a debate anymore. I mean, West Virginia's legislature was completely red when they passed the law. Yeah. Um, like I said, red states all over the country are passing adult use. You know, every one of them, obviously it was like six for six of, of um, ballot initiatives in, in, um, in November. 
And like I said, when I've talked to, to West Virginians and actually explained what this is, one out of hundreds, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people about medical cannabis of, of, of every walk of life. And it's really one or two that after we talk, they're still, they're still against it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it is one of those issues that that's becoming bipartisan um, over time. If you're yeah. someone, Johnny, listen to this, um, you know, and I hope we don't catch, I don't think we will catch flack for it. And personally, I don't really give a shit if we do, because if it helps one person become more educated and informed and potentially make them a better, healthier person, then, then it's worth the, any type of flack that we catch on it. Um, but if you're someone that's listening to this and you're like, okay, wow, that's interesting. Johnny, you know, he's got a lot of good points. Like where, um, you know, where can they go to understand and educate themselves further? Is it like you know, a website? Is it somewhere? Do you guys do, you know, zoom seminars or anything like where can they go to get more information? Well, you know, we used to, we used to do events. Um, yeah. That was, that was great. Travel the state. Yeah. Yeah. I used to, <laughs> used to travel all over and to, 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 you know, public county commission meetings. I, I guess they're still having those. I'm not, I'm not even sure. I'm not, I'm not going personally, but um, uh, t- uh, keep, keep a lookout for our website, mountaineercare.com. Uh, we're going to have that officially launched soon. I don't know when this is coming out, so it might be launched by then. Um, and, and just stay tuned to, you know, follow me on LinkedIn, Johnny McFadden. Um, Please, I, yeah, plug yourself. Uh, um, you know, Cooper, as, as you know, I'm a big LinkedIn fan. Um, and I think that's a great way for, for young professionals like ourselves to um, kind of find out what's going on um, because, I mean, so many people who come to our event, they want to be in this. They're passionate about this. Um, and it just takes a lot of, of education on your own time and, and, just, and just time and energy of, of, of researching and becoming an expert slowly. You're not, you're not an expert overnight, but you look up one day and it's like, hey, I'm actually, uh, I'm not completely in the dark now. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you'll have a chance to, um, um, to kind of do what you want to do. Well, Johnny, I think I speak for Cooper and I both here when we say uh, this was a great episode. This is something that everybody's interested in. Definitely a lot of our listeners who are between 20 and 30, this is something that uh, everybody is kind of paying attention to. Really everybody, no matter your age, this is an issue that everybody's paying attention to and keeping an eye on. But uh, we thank you for the time. You're driven. Good luck to you. We hope everything works out in your all's favor. And uh, again, thanks for joining us. CJ Cooper Mason, thank you so much. Um, like I said, I'm a huge fan. Keep doing what you're doing. Hashtag do something good, WB. And uh, let's keep rolling. Thank you, man. All right, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. And, uh, you know, that was a conversation that. I really wanted to have because I think it's something that you don't hear a lot of long form versions of that, right? You'll see a headline, medical marijuana passes in the state house or, you know, some abbreviated version of that. But I wanted to, you know, CJ Mason and I, we wanted to have that conversation in a nuanced way with someone who actually knows their stuff like Johnny did. Um, And, uh, you know, I thought there was a lot of value there. I thought we learned a lot and I thought that, you know, we came away with it more informed about an industry and about a product and service that can change the lives of West Virginians. So I thought that was pretty neat. 
Um, thank you again to Mason. Thank you to Mr. B. Thank you to all of you, the listeners. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll keep things rolling. We'll close out the year in 2020. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay happy. We'll see you next week.